Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels. Delighted, as always, to have you on the sports podcast with me. A lot of football to break down on this week's show. We'll dive into the college game up first with Matt Gothard. He is a very, very astute mind covering college football. We're going to discuss the playoff scenario with Florida State out and Bama in, how that broke down, Michigan's path to the title. Could Harbaugh leave either way if they win or lose the national championship? The bowl season, the transfer portal, NIL money, some college basketball, all that with Matt Gothard. And then Ryan Souls returns to the show to talk NFL football. The Ravens as the one seed in the AFC, the Cowboys surging in the NFC, what to make of the crowded playoff pictures in both conferences, and much, much more. It's Matt Gothard first, followed by Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, honored to be bringing back onto the show, back onto the Money Mitch Effect. It's been a very long time coming. Haven't talked to this guy in a while since um, I think I want to say a couple different Twitter handle changes. Uh, my guy Matt Gothard, sports fanatic, uh, gambling fanatic now professionally, uh, and doing a lot of exciting stuff in that space on social media as well. Uh, Matt, man, always a pleasure. Been too long. We're going to talk some college football, just big picture stuff here. But thanks for coming back onto the podcast. Thanks, buddy. I mean, it was it, it's detrimental that we that we talk to each other right now because uh, or imperative or one of those large words that you would learn in college that I've totally forgot. But it's important that we talk about the college football playoff as it is because it's really one of the only rooting interests I have left as a fan. <laughs> yeah, and I'm in I'm in the same boat, which should spoil a lot of people how we're looking at this thing. But you know, I waited till the dust settled. I, I tried to listen more because I felt like those first. Did you feel like the first 48 hours of maybe even the 24 hours before the 24 or 48 hours after it was just people screaming and yelling nonstop because you knew it was going to happen. And the way this system was set up where four teams get in and there's quote unquote a power five, it was inevitable. It just took the very last playoff, but somebody was going to get screwed. And I just felt like those first couple of days, it was just chaos yelling online and on television. I found some peace in it. And, and a majority of the reason why I found peace in it outside of just that, Florida State's not playing Michigan is the fact that our buddy Kent, who's always right and never wrong, uh, kind of was wrong this time, and it was, it was nice, nice to just kind of sit in that for a second, you know. So, but yeah, it was it was a lot to. But this, I was driving with my wife in the car. They were listing off all the teams, and uh, it came down to, to the four seed, and I was like, either Michigan's going to win the national title right now, mm-hmm. or the right thing's about to be done. And then we heard Alabama's name, and the rest is history. Hopefully. Yeah, I wasn't able to be in front of a TV screen. I found out when the news broke on Twitter, um, and we just had that text discussion the night before. So as everyone knows, you set the stage, set the stage, set the table. Uh, Florida State does win with their third-string quarterback in an ugly game over Louisville. Alabama beats Georgia in one of their best performances, I think, under the Saban era, what they were able to do in that game. You had Washington hold serve. You had Texas hold serve as well as Michigan. So you had five seats at the table. And uh, what happened was what we thought would happen. And I I took the same approach as you, Matt. I'm not even, you know, I I love dunking on Kent, obviously. But I don't even think that I would necessarily agree, go as far to say that I agree with the logic behind the decision. But we knew this was going to happen. Bama was not going to get left out. I understand why that was the case. And I think it all comes down to this. I I don't even buy Matt the TV argument. I buy that they wanted the best version of the playoff. And this undoubtedly gives you that with Bama in over Florida State. It sucks to say I feel bad for the Seminole fans and everyone in Tallahassee, but this is a better version of the playoff. 
Yeah, and you can't say that it's not fair because what happened with Ohio State a long time ago was Cardell Jones came in and they won the Big Ten Championship by 100. And you knew that that team was going to be able to compete. They didn't look like a team that was going to fall off. And uh, you look at Florida State and it's like, man, you guys would probably be neck and neck with Toledo right now or Tulane or whatever that team is that's undefeated. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it just, yeah, it, was just, it was an obvious thing. No one would have watched. Yeah, and, and, you know, selfishly, it would have been Michigan, obviously. You want to know if they got the playoff right, look at the reaction that Michigan's side had. They were not thrilled to be playing Alabama. Um, and that, that, you know, that opens the broader picture of what, you know, and I understand the argument, Matt, that the games do have to matter, and, you know, Florida State did everything they were asked of. But, yes, style points matter in this case. Ohio State would not have gotten that playoff spot if they beat Wisconsin 17-13 in an ugly game that year, but because their offense looked great. That's why they got the spot. And, you know, we, we joked about it with the Vegas side, right? Vegas would still view Georgia and maybe even Ohio State as a top-four team, which goes to show you that Bama being in here isn't just totally egregious. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I know we disagree a little bit on, uh, or we have at least in the past about the expansion of the playoff, and I've been, you know, I, I think that, and maybe we don't disagree on it as much as me and Ken disagree on it, but I think this year would have been a good year for an expanded playoff. Because I think Georgia, Ohio State, you can pair them up against any of these teams. That's watchable football. Yeah. I think the main concern is, is unwatchable football. That right. definitely would be a product of 12 teams. But um, Well, I, and yeah. I, I would say I'm in the past. Maybe my views are changing a little bit. I've been less you know, receptive to expanded playoff. I think I don't know why we went 4-12 to 12 would be my pushback. Because I think 6 this year would have been perfect. Even 8. 12 does kind of, you know, because 12, look at who's in Penn State, Ole Miss. I mean, some teams that I don't really think in Penn State's case proved much at all this year. I do think if you had a six-team playoff, you'd still have teams fighting for buys. Michigan would have to have won that game, which they did. You know, and then the two seed is so valuable in regards as well as Washington went out and get it. So um, it's just, it's odd, right? Like Georgia, Georgia being sixth, if this was a, you know, if this was an eight-team or 12-team playoff, Florida State would have fallen even further. So the fact that Georgia went down to six losing to Bama just shows you it wasn't really about much more than who the four teams were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel for Georgia. You know, they've had they've had quite a run, but they didn't look – there were times this year that they looked a little bit suspect. And, uh, you know, you got to beat – you just got to close it out against Alabama, unfortunately. And it'll be that, – that game, I'm sure we'll talk about Florida State mm -hmm. first, first Georgia if that even ends up happening. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, quite the interesting dynamic there. Well, we're also kind of looking at it from the perspective, and I guess we should before we get to that. You know, the props to the other teams that aren't talked about. They couldn't leave, obviously, undefeated Washington out. And Texas having that head-to-head -head over Bama was the killer here because I just think, Matt, in any other scenario, right, like a, a one-loss SEC champ is getting in, especially that it's Bama. But in any other scenario where it's a one-loss Big 12 team that doesn't have that head-to-head -head over Bama, they're most likely out. And if Oregon would have got in with the one loss, they would have been more likely out. You know, I just that's that's kind of how I looked at it. There was no other scenario, unfortunately, for Florida State. And I think it's important that they set the precedent that if you if you win during the regular season, that matters, and it matters more than just being undefeated and 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 at the end of it losing your best player. So I think like if Alabama gets in over Texas, it just ru it absolutely <laughs> ruins the playoff. Yeah. So that just you know couldn't have happened. I'm really happy with the four teams, three of the four teams that are in the playoff. <laughs> well, we're on the same boat. I know your your new Twitter handle is Michigan State Matt or Mish State Matt. So 
Um, I just, Michigan winning the title, we talked before we went on about how you get older and sports take less of a priority. You still care, but maybe not as much. But this would be catastrophic, right, for us if Michigan won the title. Yeah, I mean, not to go down the, the the doomsday thought, but as a Michigan State fan, things are already up in flux. And if if Michigan could just lose and do what they always do, it'd be nice to keep them uh, grounded. If they go and win the national title, things are going to get. Uh, it's hard not to see a slippery slope of hell. Yeah, they've they've looked apart as a great team this year. Unfortunately, McCarthy played better, or much better in the Ohio State game. Iowa in that title game, which. You brought up the best point talking about Iowa. We were just talking about how good the defense and effort was, and you basically said it's criminal that their offense hasn't given them anything in this glory run of Iowa defense. It's so sad because defense wins championships. If you had if you had anyone else's offense, you you probably compete. You definitely compete in that game against Michigan. Michigan didn't look that good no. in the Big Ten championship game. Like the defense was. And you can just tell the defense is getting tired. Like, just are you kidding me? You guys aren't giving us anything. I can't imagine. I'm, I'm surprised that Iowa's defense has got up as much as it has this year and kept showing up. So, yeah, it's it, just to compete, right? Like, that's all you're hoping for. And they just, with the defense like that, not even be able, being able to compete at that top level is pretty uh, shocking. Uh, but for these games, I mean, the first one, obviously, Washington and Texas, uh, which will actually be the later game on that day, but... Were you surprised as getting back, putting your gambling hat back on that the line opened has pretty much stayed about four, four and a half for Texas? You know, I, I think so. I'm, I'm not surprised. It's more so just trying to talk myself out of being a gambler and taking Washington's money line because what's so hard is like they have such a fun offense. It's, it's exciting to get behind them, but they cannot stop a fly. Like they, they are so, they are so <laughs> bad on defense that you just got to think Texas has a more rounded team in this matchup. Yeah, the Oregon games are tough, right? That was the one outcome you'd say that probably uh, shocked everyone was that Oregon wins again or loses again to Washington as such big favorites, and Washington hadn't looked the part before. I agree with you on their defense. Penix has played well, but, you know, this is more about Texas's offense, as you said, against Washington's defense. And what Penix would have to do to win this game would go like full Vince Young. And I don't know that he's able yeah. to do that. And it's maybe an over game. We'll have to look at the lines and stuff. But the other one's one you jumped on originally. When the line first came out, Bama is an underdog, which I know in any setting is tasty, especially when they're playing the team you hate the most. It's probably extra tasty. But what was the money line, like plus 122 at the time? Yeah, I think it's plus 120, plus 115. Um, but, you know, I have to say, like, it's unfortunate this year. I feel like because Bama lost early, I missed out on a lot of value on them thinking they were down. And I'm pretty sure they had a pretty solid year this year in terms of covering and being a team to bet on. I'm, I'm almost certain they had one of their best seasons. They did. Uh, the Auburn game is going to stick out. Really, it's the two games, right? It's South Florida, so they lose, and then they have that brutal game where they're rotating quarterbacks, and everyone's like, Alabama's done, right? And then they have that game against Auburn, obviously, last week where they should have lost, which was just absurd. Speaking of which, I got to add that, Matt. You'll appreciate this to our gambling hall of shame. Um, would have covered a teaser if that guy didn't step out on the last play of the game. So that was, uh, oh, no. we'll, we'll add that to the list. Yeah, the distinguished list. Oh, no. Not finding out that you lost the bet until after the game and they cut away is fun, right? Because it's a touchdown on the field. But Oh, so you, you had celebrated <laughs> oh, the yeah. you won. Oh, yeah. Only to find out. <laughs> Only to find out on the app. So those are the ones that stick with you forever. That is 
that is the truth by far. It's, uh, um, yeah, what can you do? I will say this, though. Hey, as far as wanting Michigan to lose, this is the toughest matchup for them, not just because it's Bama and Saban, but I think Bama matches up with Michigan strengths as well as anyone can. I think physicality at the line was Michigan's advantage in the Big Ten. They're not going to have a distinguishable advantage, in my opinion. And I think Bama re- refueling their defense that was down last year, especially the cornerbacks, cornerbacks is going to make things a little tougher. So I think Bama can match up and I'm not surprised that this is a 45 and a half over under. I think Vegas is rightfully expecting this to be a physical kind of drag it out type of game. Yeah, I think when it comes down and you take bias out of it, Bama has won this game over and over and over and over. And just historically, they get the job done. Michigan, on the other hand, has never taken a step past this point. So, yes, Michigan ranks one. Yes, they're undefeated. Yes, they're the favorite. But you've got to think about it. There's probably not a single player on the Alabama Crimson Tide that doubts that they can win this game. And just by the video that you see of the Michigan players finding out they're playing Alabama, there is some doubt. There is some fear on that side. And that definitely plays into the early first half uh, jitters that will probably, I expect, to take it. Uh, Who knows? Mm -hmm. Who knows? But I expect them to play a role in this. J.J. McCarthy last year, and he has played well. He played well against Ohio State. Can't take that away from him, but they probably win that TCU game if he doesn't just start throwing the ball to them and spotting them 14 points. So how he plays. Yeah. Um, Saban, I mean, God, I feel like, and, and our boy Sully brought this up, and he's not a, obviously Alabama fan, but if Saban wins the title with this group, you got to add him to the list of best coaches in any sport. Because what he does yeah. is just, it's remarkable, too. And I, I do feel like there's part of him, like, what was going on in the locker room before they played Georgia? Saban was probably like, I don't fear Kirby Smart. Why should you fear any one of these players? So you know he's going to be confident against whoever, Harbaugh especially. Um, it's nothing that he lacks because he's done it, as you said, so many times before. And we've seen, we've seen McCarthy really not be forced to make plays yet. This year. Like, even against Penn State, you know, it was one of those, it was one of those, like, he threw one pass in the second half. And then against Ohio State, like, at the end, like, he had some good passes against Ohio State. But you really got to think, if they could shut down the run, what does what does the, the long-term game plan look like for Michigan? It can't be it can't be all in McCarthy. The last thing on this one, Matt, before we move along, uh, do you think win or lose, maybe probability likely or more or less likely, Harbaugh's future at Michigan. Does winning the title make him more likely to leave, or will that impact it at all? I think if he loses, he leaves. I think that if he wins, he stays. Wow. I think it, the reason being is if you win, there's never going to be a hot seat again. You are, you are going to be able to pick your job. You can stay. You don't need to force something. Obviously, who knows what the NCAA is going to do. I don't think they're going to do anything that drastic about the cheating scandal. So I think if he wins, you're good forever. If you lose, the same old story. We're heading back and, you know, you can make the playoffs, but you can't win the big game. Yeah, that's a good, that's an interesting perspective. I haven't really thought of it as much that way. I, I'm kind of inclined to think he leaves either way. But, yeah, if he loses, it might be time to just pack because he wants that Super Bowl. He wants what his brother has more than anything. And uh, right. there is a definite market for him. It does still feel like, right, like every year there's five to six coaches fired. So there's not going to be a shortage yep. of opportunities. God, I and hope it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> God, I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> Man, 
That's going to be a tough You want one. him to stay? No, no. If they win the title and he has that opportunity, I'm just, man. Oh, God. I think he would be a great coach at the Bears. You know, I think uh, a spectacular Somewhere else, anywhere yeah. else, to be honest. It'd be great to see him. <laughs> yeah, anywhere else, anywhere else. Uh, Matt Gothard here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, moving along with college. I mean, do you have any other feel for bowl games? Because I feel like it's it used to be, I don't want to say I missed the glory days, Matt. I love watching football, college football in any uh, regard. But with the transfer portal, with guys sitting out, I feel like bowls have lost a little of their luster. Oh, they, they definitely have. The one game I love is I like Florida State money line against Georgia and a uh, couple reasons going into that is a Florida State has everything to play for everything to prove in this game they have a pretty good defense I mean they they definitely look to the part uh, outside of you know the major injury at quarterback Georgia on the other hand does not show up in bowl games that aren't the playoff like they really don't they're they're a team that regularly loses like I believe that they were like 14 point favorites against Texas like a year or a couple years before they made the playoffs and they just totally lost. They used to play in the playoffs. This is a letdown game of letdown games. I definitely wouldn't want to lay the 14 with Georgia. It's fascinating. I think Florida State, like there was the whole rumor, not rumor, but joke that, wow, are they even going to show up? But I, I'm inclined to believe that if they show up and buy in, this is a statement game. But I do think Georgia has the pride of missing out as well to play for. So. I I could see where it's coming from. I think they cover, but I don't know if I'm willing to go full full uh, money line. It's just I you know I don't know with Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman is he even going to play against Wisconsin? Ohio State's a mess right now with, the, with their roster against Missouri underdog in that game. What what did you think about the Daniels Heisman choice? I I agreed with it completely because Matt, it's not really a best player on best team award. It's a stats award, unfortunately for quarterbacks in my perspective, but. I thought that was the right call because it's not about the best player on the best team. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be uh, my biggest takeaway, and I hate to say this, but is that I thought there was like a couple first team votes for JJ and uh, yeah, one guy gave one. Him one guy, yeah, that get him out of there. <laughs> and I was just like, what are you watching? So I, that was my biggest shock. I, I have no problem with with uh, with him winning and. This year it just seems so wide open. There wasn't like that one player that was obviously the guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just too bad USC. I, f- I feel bad for everybody in Paul's that program. There's so much hype around them. And they just, you know, obviously if, if they if they do well, you feel like you got to give it to Williams. But Yeah. Well, I would not, say not the case. biasedly I thought the best player in college football was Marvin Harrison Jr. But, you know, isn't a quarterback, so we know how that works. Um, but that yeah, said, spectacular. yeah, that said, I, I wanted to talk about the transfer portal with you right now. We'll get to obviously Michigan state. I want your thoughts on that program, but, uh, the transfer porter, portal and the system around it. I mean, wild, wild West is a phrase that gets used, like overused a lot, Matt, but it is crazy out there at the transfer portal. And I don't know what the solution is, but I feel like we're in agreement that maybe some regulations wouldn't be a bad thing. Cause it's crazy out there. Yeah. It's, it's- Pretty insane when you tie in NIL. One thing is you could just transfer, right? But then if you add in the fact that you can just throw unlimited amounts of money at these kids, it's it's taken from zero yeah. to 200 pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, you look at a team like Oregon State, you look at a team that is in a bad spot, it's really easy to get gutted pretty quickly. Yeah, and like A&M, Jimbo's out. I mean, they got, you know, the new coach coming in there, but 
Jimbo's out and all of a sudden everyone's talking illegally, right? You're not allowed in that window, but they were talking to AM players. I mean, I couldn't believe too, like when we were talking about, you know, Ohio State, like Cal McCord went eleven and one last year. Transfer portal, yep. looking at Nebraska, other schools, but you know, that that tells me too that I mean there has to be somebody in the pipeline, right, coming in, uh, that they would, you know, be willing to move on from. And you're you're in free agency and you're recruiting. In the old days, Matt, it's like you were recruiting just for getting them on campus. Now you have to be recruiting them for their entire time there. Right. Like you have to keep them there. And it's, it's crazy how it's also crazy because you feel like these schools are being too honest, maybe with the kids and being like, Oh yeah, no, we're bringing somebody in. Yeah. And then they all, cause they have to know there has to be well, yeah. some sort of knowledge. Who is your guy? Keon Coleman who, who tore it up at Florida state this year, right? Yep. You yep. Know, and, uh, and Peyton Thorne, but I will say, not to turn this into a Michigan State thing. I am if they land Aiden Child. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. The I, world has changed that MSU I got, quickly. I got that in a second, but I just wanted to point out that because there's the money side of it, where you just can't offer the money. Some schools don't have it, and there's still the stats out there that that more players than not that go to the transfer portal don't end up in a better situation. So I yeah. Mean, yeah, that's the sad reality and you of lose it. Your spot. Yeah, you lose your spot if they don't want you back. So that's also. Uh, I was something that, you know, my, my, my theory on this, my, you know, take what I would do if I ran college football for at least, you know, a little bit would be everybody gets one freebie where you don't have to sit out. And then you can also tack on like a grad school transfer, but that's it. Like, I don't like the idea of players going to three, four colleges, you know, like I just, I just doesn't sit right to me. I don't believe you can though. Right. I thought it was, you can transfer one and then you have to sit out. Right. Cause that's why. Yeah. Uh, I know even, even so it's just what well, you got the JT Daniels at all those schools and every, I mean, I still feel yeah. like it's still a thing and, uh, but don't get me started on that. I don't think the stats should count with the COVID year. I think your, your lowest stats should drop off. The record books will never be the same. That's my other hot take. <laughs> I agree. I agree with you a hundred percent. So tell me about Michigan state though. Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, uh, unfortunate with Oregon state going the way it is, but you got a new coach. You might have a new quarterback. You've, are there, is there optimism for the first time in your life in the college football world? The first time in a long time. For the time. first time since they <laughs> yeah. wrongfully yeah. pushed Mark D'Antonio yeah. out, I feel very, very, I feel happy. I think Mel Tucker, I never was a big fan of him. So I'm just hoping that, uh, look, if they bring in Aiden Giles, all of a sudden the quarterback position, we probably have the most talented person that's been in there since maybe Kirk Cousins, maybe, I mean, and this is a totally different person, so. Very excited to see what happens. Obviously, I don't want to get too excited. I was hoping to bank on basketball being a thing to get my mind off of things, but now I need football to get my mind off of basketball. <laughs> yeah, that JMU game really set the tone for some some downturn. Boy, there. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I think the lesson in the Mel Tucker story on the field is uh, that you don't just overreact to one win in your rivalry game or one good season. You kind of, you know, that contract handed out made very little sense at the time. It was almost like, oh, we think this guy's good because you know had that win. Here you go. So I think if they don't repeat those mistakes, they can be in a good position. And I think Michigan State, honestly, honestly, Matt, I think they've had the right expectations that they are not, you know, they're not in the stratosphere of the Ohio State Michigans, but they can be in select years if if they play it right, if they develop players. It's the schools like Nebraska and maybe you know we can throw some others out there, other conferences that you know just assume they're in the same level when they're not when they're not just recruiting or you know at that level. Yeah, I mean, I think especially with the with the conference being opened up, I mean, it's crazy. In my lifetime, Michigan State and Michigan have split 
it's wow. it's fifty fifty on on wins. So it's like I don't, uh, and I I know that Michigan's had some success lately, but earlier on in my life, Michigan State actually ended up having a lot more success. They're definitely not in the same world as Ohio State. I do feel like, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on Ohio State's future. What happens with next year? Like, is is Ryan Day? On the, do you consider him on the hot seat? Is it a must-win next year, or what? What do you do? I mean, he's a successful it's coach. Tough, right? Because there's history, there's precedent in this rivalry on both sides. If you don't win, if you get pushed around, they will, they will show you the door, right? John Cooper couldn't beat Lloyd Carr. Lloyd Carr couldn't beat Jim Tressel. You know, all those coaches that struggled at Michigan. The thing that's tough, though, Matt, is that the thing that's tough, though, Matt, is that he's so good everywhere else. Like the win-loss record is outstanding. And I'll say this, I don't think he's on the hot seat because as and I'll, we'll bring it full circle and give Ken some credit after just dunking on him. The 12-team playoff, I mean, they're probably going to be in it like every year, just about. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. how you make that move. I won't say hot seat, I'll, hot seat, I'll say it's getting warm. I mean, it's not a good look to not beat Michigan, but if they're consistently getting into the playoff, which they probably will with this 12-team playoff, I don't know. I mean, it's... It's it's unfortunate, but you go ten and two, eleven and one, you lose to Michigan, everyone's upset, but that's still, you know, a record that ninety eight percent of teams in college football would take. Yeah. You feel like though that Ohio State won't settle for like he I feel like he'll need to beat Michigan in the next two years. Mm-hmm. Or make a run in the playoffs, you know. You gotta have Otherwise. the alternative though. I mean, that's the thing. If they have somebody in mind, like not Urban Urban coming back, but I in jokingly, but like I, I don't know what the alternative is. I mean, everyone likes Brian Hartline for what he's done with receivers, but can he call plays? Can he, you know, I, I don't know if there's, if there's someone out there, I'd love to hear who it is because in that, and that's my big point with like firing anyone like Jimbo and these guys, like you have to have someone ready, especially at a job like Ohio state. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Matt, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, cause I know you're, you're kind of down on college basketball, but is there anybody that, you know, we should keep our eyes on or just look for other than I know Michigan state's a little down, but anything in college basketball caught your eye early, just a broad general question. The team that I've watched the most that I think seems very complete and seems very poised is Arizona. They just seem to have every aspect that you need to make a a run as a powerhouse. And I feel like even last year, there wasn't necessarily that team people feared. And uh, Arizona is the one that stuck out to me in the couple games that I've watched. I watched them play versus Duke. Obviously they played versus Sparty. They just seem like somebody that a team that could make a, a solid run, yeah. not necessarily based on luck. Yeah. I was looking at them too. Obviously number one have won some big games. Kansas is uh, right where they belong. Are we just waiting for Purdue to choke again? Cause I feel like, I feel like nothing in this regular season is going to really impress me until I see them in the sweet 16 or the elite eight. Yeah. I would say Purdue makes Jim Harbaugh look like he's had massive postseason success. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's so much, so much bad. Uh, I feel like they've never even made it out of the first weekend. I'm sure they have, but my God, it seems like forever. It's like Tennessee with Rick Barnes, right? Like, no matter what happens, I'm just like, ah, I know what he does. I know what he did at Texas. I know what he does at Tennessee. Like, until it happens, I'm not ready to say it. I will say, it is, like, college football has that, like, who's the best non-Power 5 team and all this stuff, and I know they're not, you know, they switched conferences. But it is interesting how Houston's always just in the top five, it seems, right? Like, from the underdog Houston to now being, like, an actual Big 12 member. Houston just seems like they're always in the mix. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of college basketball. Is like you can just, you don't need the program 
that you need in football to just continuously be a success. You know, it just yeah. it only takes a couple of players. Yeah, I know with the transfer portal and everything. Also, shout out to everyone on the West Coast that had Long Beach State money line over USC uh, on Sunday. <laughs> that was a pretty, it's a pretty good ticket if you got it. Um, all right, Matt, this has been fun. Matt Gother on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, anything uh, about your poker career we should be up to date on or where to follow you at? Well, if you guys are looking to follow me in my uh, casino slash poker endeavor, just check out the Casino King on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter. Um, that is my full-time job now. Randomly, the pandemic changed my life in terms of uh, where I was headed, and I honestly wouldn't change it for the world. So I appreciate uh, appreciate you, you giving it a shout-out, and uh, you know we'll see if I'm still alive in here. Yeah, we will. I know you <laughs> We will. The best part about you always is that win or lose, whether it was gambling or on, on sports and in casinos and poker, is that you will show the losses if it makes good content. You're not one of these guys um, that won't. That's we. I saw the video the other right. day. I saw the head down still. It was like, man, this is perfect. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been, uh, it definitely had its ups and downs, but, you know, it has ups and downs, but like I said, transparency is everything and really wouldn't change it right now. Yeah, talking to uh, Phil Helmuth and uh, Robbie Jade Lou and others on your on your account as well has been good. Watching you interview them, so uh, keep up the good work with that. Always pay a little bit of attention to sports and sports gambling, so you can come on this show annually. But uh, Matt Gothard, man, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, buddy. It's good talking to you. All right, huge thanks to Matt Gothard. Check him out on Twitter at Real Casino King. Uh, as well as TikTok, other platforms for his poker content, and uh, Mish State Matt for his college football, Michigan State heavily, obviously, uh, takes in basketball as well. So thanks to Matt Gothard, my buddy, for calling in, breaking down all the college news. We switched to the pro game with Ryan Souls returning to the program, recapping the Wild Ravens win over the Rams, Cowboys taking out the Eagles, my Browns beating the Jaguars, what to make of these crowded playoff pictures and a look ahead to this week's games on the NFL gridiron. It's Ryan Souls now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now joining me on the Money Mitch Effect, back again to talk football. Only a few weeks left and we're into December of the regular season. It's Ryan Souls on the program. Ryan, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I do remember this time of year, normally we'd have a better idea of the playoff picture, the contenders, and the pretenders, but we've got a log jam uh, in the middle of the conference. It's good to have you back and break down some football. Man, happy to be here, brother, and you said it perfectly. It's it's a weird year. Log jam is the correct adjective to describe it, and it is going to be a wild last four weeks to finish out the regular season. Well, yeah, and we're doing this Tuesday after the Monday night doubleheader, uh, which was interesting to say the least. I mean, we can start with the game that finished last this week. The Titans come back from 14 down with three minutes left in Miami to win that game. I mean, that was not what I was planning on starting with, Ryan, but that was just stunning. That was incredible. I mean, it was just all-time blunders by Miami. And, you know, I think the thing is for this you know, Mike McDaniel seems like the type of coach that will learn and get better as it goes on. But I don't care what the Tennessee Titans record is. As long as Vrabel is coaching them, they're going to be ready to play. They're going to be tough. They're going to capitalize on opportunities just as 
Miami gave them last night from the penalties to the turnovers. But, you know, the crazy thing I was thinking, and not to switch completely to another team, but uh, couldn't the Kansas City Chiefs have used DeAndre Hopkins last night? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was 7 for 124, the touchdown. He still has gas left in the tank. And, and you know, shout-out to Will Levis, who's starting out and showing some flashes, which is good uh, to yeah. see there. Henry as well. I mean, yeah, it, it also showed me, too, Ryan, how important Tyreek Hill is because when he got hampered and, you know, looks like it's going to be okay long-term, but the offense kind of slowed down. That was just a gutsy win by Tennessee. Miami made mistakes. We talked about it. I thought the the Bradley Chubb penalty was insane that he made that mistake. They were just a little off, a little sloppy. And in the NFL, like you said, it doesn't really matter the record sometimes. These are, you know, we forget this and it's cliche, but this is the very best in the world at what they do. So there's no Absolutely. true amateurs out there. So you can't, you know, sleepwalk, even if it's at home and your record says otherwise. No, 100%. And, you know, it's funny because all the speed we talked about with Miami, and of course they still have it, but styles make fights sometimes. And I think it's just very interesting when Tyreek Hill is neutralized. And obviously we hope it's never by injury, but when he's neutralized, the dolphins know it too, how different yeah. it is. Like you can see it. Mm-hmm. It's palpable. They know it. They and still they still scored twenty seven points though, so I don't want to be full on alarmist like the defense. But not on offense. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I I do yeah. think though that the injuries they've had, and it's not just it's both sides of the ball, right? They lost their center, I think, for the year last night. Mm-hmm. They lost Phillips with the with the, you know, Achilles. I mean, that's part of it. That's part of what Buffalo dealt with. I mean, injuries are a part of football and you know, especially mid-game, and you have to adjust on the fly. It's tough. I mean, that's why I mean, we can start with the AFC because as of right now, the Ravens are in the one seed with a 10-3 and record. There's a big log jam across the board. The Dolphins still, you know, still Ryan at 9-4, and four, the number two team in the conference. And, you know, based on where they've been in the past, this is still, I know last night stings, but, you know, even if they if they go 2-1 and one the rest of the way, 11-6, and six, I mean, that's still much better than they've been. But you look at this conference with the Chiefs losing, with the Jaguars losing, all those 7-6 and six teams, I mean, it's just insane how many there are. I think we're up to like 7 now in the AFC. So yeah, there is a logjam for fighting. But once you get in, who knows what could happen. I mean, I think that's the, the name of the game always in the NFL, but especially in the AFC. 100%. I think the big thing, though, with the Dolphins, especially losing last night and how they lost, I don't know if they're going to get the one seat now. And I and I think, you know, we can talk about Jacksonville, but I think out of the four teams just right now, if we lock it in and just say right now, the Miami Dolphins probably could stand the most to have the road through the playoffs go through Miami. I don't know if this is a team that can go somewhere in the cold and do what they needed to do last night. Yeah, I, I, I'm i torn on that one because I see the point, and I know it's the cliche for football. I also saw what they did last year, you know, in the two games in Buffalo that they were in very much both of them. Mm-hmm. So, and it's also partly how I'm looking at the rest of this conference. Like, no team is invincible. You no, know, in years past, I might I might fully agree with you, but, you know, Baltimore won. Give them full marks. They're 10-3 now. That was the game quality-wise of the weekend, Ravens and Rams. It was exceptional stuff from start to finish. Baltimore finds a way, and uh, they find a way to do it on both sides of the ball when they need plays. Their defense wasn't playing great most of the game, but you know what they did on the final possession, holding the Rams to a field goal and then getting off the field for a game-winning punt return uh, touchdown. 
I mean, the Ravens are one of those teams that with Lamar playing, and look, he's been the MVP before Ryan. He can even play better. But this team has figured it out. Zay Flowers has been a great addition. And it's almost like, and I don't want to sound like I'm. it's a backhanded compliment by process of elimination, but they are just the most solid, well-rounded team at this point in the season. So for them to be the one seed from what we've seen makes pretty much sense to me. Yeah, I think you're 100% correct. And this team just feels really well-rounded on offense. And I don't know if it happens every year, but when this Ravens team is in contention and is humming and playing well, they always seem to come up with a special teams play in a crucial moment and tribute that to their head coach who used to be a special teams coach. Yeah. But this, this team is always well coached on special teams. And, you know, ironically, that's what wins the game yeah. or not, I guess not ironically. <laughs> you well, know? Yeah. Defensively three fewest teams and points allowed all season, Ryan Niners, Ravens chiefs. So, I mean, defensively, those are the teams that have been doing it. And, uh, that's pretty good company. And, and for the Ravens, I mean, I think it's almost even more shocking than the Chiefs because they had some major issues on defense last year. They've tightened it up, and uh, they're looking pretty good. Um, you know, we can talk about the Chiefs, though. That Chiefs-Bills game was, I guess, for Buffalo first, Ryan, in that one. They needed it. They had to have it to keep their hopes really alive in the gauntlet part of the season. And they found a way. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't, obviously, like their whole season they've had issues, but... There's something to be said about going on the road in a place that has been a literal house of horrors for you and just coming out with the win, doing just enough to get by Kansas City. I mean, they did, but they almost gave it away, too. And, you know, we can talk about uh, Sean McDermott and the timeout usage and whatnot, but they almost got him in a position to lose the game again. And I think Josh Allen was having to play Superman. I think that's really the only resort with this team we've seen this season uh, because they just don't seem to be clicking on offense. But I think this team dodged a major bullet. Yeah. I think with the schedule coming up, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how they play to finish out. But there's no way that they should have won this game. Right, right. And but but you could say too. I mean, that's part of that's part of the NFL, right? I mean, oh, that's part of your it. game. You feel good. A win e- is a win. The Eagles game. I mean, not to look at your team, but like that's one where you're leaving the field. Like, how do we lose this game? So I just feel like in the NFL, that tends to be what happens. Like some games, you feel like, how did we win? Some games, it's like, how did we lose? But uh, I would say more, more on the lines of defensively is where and we can kind of get to why that might be but a team that's been as ravaged as anyone by injuries to play the defensive game they did on the road given what was at stake was pretty impressive Uh, and look ryan i mean with the dolphins losing they're not dead in the division i mean it's crazy to say but they're very much in there with a game you know already winning one if they win that second one then things get really interesting in miami absolutely and i mean i think if you get really close we Got to see how Miami is, you know, with how what the pressure is, you know, that they got Dallas coming in and they beat a good team. <laughs> yeah. Can they beat a good team? Can they go on the road and win a game? You know, no matter where it is, uh, you know, I think this is going to be really interesting for Buffalo and Miami, Kansas City, though. You know, once again, we're just lamenting at this offense and the defense is tapered off a little bit you know, from how they have started the season, you know, they they still have their guys making plays, but we've seen in the linebacking position how solid they started the year and having guys out and whatnot. But this comes down to guys not catching balls. 
Well, or wind up correctly. I mean, that's that that's that's more egregious to me than anything. Um, And look, we can, you know, the short the short of it, Ryan, is the refs have to call that. Like, I don't, I don't know. I I know Mahomes walking back. He's hot in the heat of the moment. So is Reed. I get that. You're not going to be speaking clearly after that. And that's a guy who's frustrated at a lot of things, not just one play. Uh, But I don't. This idea that they can let that one go, like he was clearly offsides lined up, and he he looked over at the ref, but he did not get confirmation on the video. So that to me is worse than any drop or even running the wrong route is that you didn't even set properly. But they have they have issues there, and it's you know Tony is one of them. Scantling hasn't done well. You know Kelsey has slowed down. I don't think he's fallen off a cliff, but you know it's understandable at his age, his position at thirty four. They have issues in the passing game with the guys that Mahomes is throwing to. And when you come compound it, Ryan, with the fact that Pacheco was out, I mean, it's it's tough to ask for anyone, even Superman at quarterback. Absolutely, and, and you know, I think you're 100 percent right with the Kadarius Tony situation. You know, I, you know, Mahomes obviously pissed off and rightfully so from his perspective at the time. But if you if he sees the footage. Before he goes out there for a press conference, he's not saying what he said. And I just think he's Andy as well. I think they're smart enough people to see that they're they're speaking from a position of not having seen that. At least that's my opinion. But I do think as it for culmination of the season, yeah, the offsides, the one game was the one thing. But drops have been a theme of their season more than I can remember drops being a theme of any other season trying to get where this team's trying to go. Yeah. And I get it. Like everyone's like off. They just had a one. Well, that's, that's why the salary cap is the way it is. Like you pick and choose who you pay and you have to build a roster. without. And I do think rice is probably playing at a solid. Would you agree? Number two level. But they don't 100%. have, you know, and that's that's no knock on them. I mean, a lot of guys would, lo- a lot of teams would like a guy like Rice on the team. But um, yeah, they have to figure some stuff out. Do you think any? Do you have any worry with them? You know, forget about the the race for the top of the conference right now in that division. Are you worried at all? They did split with Denver, so I have to ask the question. You know, I think they're going to be okay as far as the the division and the playoff picture is concerned. I just think that when push comes to shove and they got to win the games, they got to win, they got to make the plays they need to make at the moment they need to make them. I trust Patrick Mahomes. But after that, when it gets into the postseason and you're playing against teams that can light you up and are focused solely on you, I think – I, they're not, a, you know, a shoe in. We're talking about them hosting the AFC Championship game. I think it's very feasible that they don't even get there. Yeah, I mean, look, this will be the first road test they've had in the Mahomes era. It seems, barring some some collapses by Baltimore, so mm-hmm. this will very much be the case where they have to go on the road and win a big game, and and we believe that they can do it. But the run got that much harder, and in the NFL, which is why. You know, we disagreed with what Kendrick Perkins says, how much harder it is to win than the NBA. You have right. a single elimination. Anything can happen. You just added another roadblock to the title. So Exactly. We'll Every see. game is a game seven. It's hard enough to win a, a championship in the NFL. It's even more difficult to repeat, which is what this team is trying to do. 
and they're trying to repeat with an even lesser receiver receiving core than they had post Tyreek Hill losing yeah. Juju. So <laughs> if they if they pull this off with Superman back there at mm-hmm. quarterback, you know, it'll be something special, but they got a long way to go, uh, you know, before we get to that point. More with Ryan Solzer on the Money Mitch effect. Well, we got to talk about my Browns, right? Because what what's happened with yeah, them? Man. Beating the Jaguars, you know, bouncing back after two two losses in a row to teams that are not bad, obviously, the Broncos and the Rams turning it on, but a game that they felt like they needed to have, uh, and they did. But, Ryan, I can't believe this Joe Flacco thing. Like, it's kind of insane, right? 38 on the couch, hadn't looked that great with the Jets, and, you know, maybe, maybe this is the time we give credit to Stefanski and his system because he is making Joe Flacco, or, or we just give all the credit to Joe Flacco. I don't care either way, but it's just an unbelievable story that he's playing so well for the Browns. You know, I think it's impressive on just both accounts, Stefanski and Flacco. Stefanski being, I'm pretty sure, somewhere on that Gary Kubiak tree, and Flacco had some of his best seasons under Kubiak. Uh, regardless, though, to just have signed, what is it, three weeks ago? And to look this comfortable in the offense is just incredible to see. This is the best this offense has looked the entire season. This team is 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 really interesting just from a defensive standpoint because if they're humming and they're playing how we've seen them play, they yeah. can be trouble for anybody going into the postseason. Mm-hmm. And if Joe Flacco continues to play like this, you guys got weapons. Uh, you still have Kareem Hunt, even though he doesn't look mm-hmm. uh, nearly as effective as I thought he was going to be in the wake of losing Nick Chubb. But this team is dangerous. I would not want to play them going into the postseason, yeah. especially if Flacco keeps playing like this. That's for sure. Got to have Denzel Ward back. That's the big one. He's missed you know, several games, and you see him almost as much as Miles Garrett, who's playing through injury too. So the health is the big thing. Can they, you know, the defense has tapered off as a result to injury. Can they step back up? But Njoku having his best game of the year. And, you know, we can kind of, before we get to like the the playoff thing and then switch to the NFC, I do want to just mention, I'm very curious, very curious to see how the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence finish because this is the first time I felt like there's a lot at stake for what this team's going to look like, Ryan. Because I know, I know he was injured and I know he came back and I'm not judging him off this game on the road against a good Browns defense, but they're eight and five. You know, it hasn't been the best season for them, given the expectations. They've got the Colts and Texans. I know the Texans are kind of, you know, you know, in trouble with Stroud out and losing to the Jets, but they're only a game up, and it is an, a conference where you can make a move in. So how the Jaguars finish and what they look like going forward, I'm, I guess I'm just watching intrigued to see how it shakes up. Well, and you got to wonder, because, you know, obviously an ankle linearly won't affect, you know, the – three interceptions he threw before he threw the three touchdowns. But with this team getting off to such a great start, it makes you think that they may have had a little wiggle room to just sit Lawrence and try to get him a little healthy. I was actually surprised uh, when they said he was going to try to go. I think it was Friday. I, Cause I thought for sure when I saw the injury, I said, okay, they'll sit him for a week or two because they got a little bit of right. wiggle room and they'll be fine. But the fact that he's uh-huh. been out there, has just been really interesting, and I just hope that you know he can protect himself and they don't have a setback because while this team has not looked anywhere what we thought they were going to look like this year in terms of the offense clicking on all cylinders, how 
you know, we saw the Doug Peters, Doug Peterson Eagles offense did, you know, do back in 2017. We haven't seen that. And I just thought they could get all the leeway they could get having guys healthy, you know, going into the postseason, which is, you know, some uncharted territory for this franchise. Yeah, well, I'm also looking, you know, I, I agree with that. It's just it's sitting right there for them. That's why it's like the, the division's a little down. The conference at the top is shaky. Can they finish strong? You know, Ingram's had a resurgence. If they, you know, Kirk, if if he's there along with Ridley, if, you know, that could be something. So we'll see. Uh, and for the Browns, I mean, I'm looking at the final games, right? You know, Bears, Texans, Jets, Bengals, and I'm seeing potential. I know Browning's played better. We don't know about Stroud, what the Jets are going to look like, but there's potential, and you know, looking at the rest of this conference too, Ryan, before we move to the NFC, that wild card picture is so muddled, but maybe, maybe we'll see some teams kind of step up or in the Pittsburgh Steelers case, recently step down. Yeah, I know you're hoping for that, right? Well, they, mean, they've lost two games to two of the worst teams in football the last two, so I'm confidently saying they're stepping down. Oh, they 100% are, and... Uh, I don't know if it's the remnants of Matt Canada. I don't know if they just need more, if Pickett needs more time, but he's just seeming like he's not going to be the long-term answer at quarterback. Um, but just looking at this playoff picture, like you said, the Browns, if they went out or win three of those last four games, it is, you know, the Ravens got to play the 49ers on Christmas. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see who fights for that wild card spot. I think the Ravens are going to lock it up um, right now. But anything can happen. It's still early, man. And right now, I think that if you're a team like the Colts, if you're a team like the Texans, you're just hoping that these other seven and six teams can kind of mull over themselves you mm -hmm. need some help because i don't remember to your point earlier seeing this many seven and six teams no and if the bills are going to step up if the browns step up that leaves one team left browning has played better but again like who is it going to be could the colts get in like they're they're in position and the Bengals we know aren't dead so uh, a lot of fun in the afc going to the nfc ryan unfortunate timing for you chatting after that after that cowboys eagles game uh it was not pretty for philadelphia and um, I, I'm going to start with this defensively. This is about as bad as it's been probably what in a couple of years, if not longer. I mean, I saw the stat where they'd gone like 10 straight drives without forcing a punt. And it was going back to the last game with the Niners and starting with that side of the ball, what's gone horribly wrong for the birds. You know, we've seen signs of this all season, you know, right. They have just been lucky enough and good enough to get away with it in the crucial times, but as they stepped up against bigger opponents who can match the physicality and block them, uh, quarterbacks have been able to have their way with the secondary, you know, and maybe this is just a couple years too late, but when the Kevin Byard signing happened, I really was excited because I thought we were going to get not, you know, not necessarily quicker from a physicality standpoint, from a 40 time standpoint, but quicker from a mental standpoint, getting a spot quicker because Kevin Byard's a season safeties, been a pro bowler, and I thought that would really help Slay and Bradbury, but there I, I can't put it any um more simpler than they've just been getting cooked. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not 
it's not one thing. That's the craziest thing about it. Exactly. Like they're getting diced, they're getting big plays, they're getting pushed around. Like it's they're out of whack. And I don't know yeah. where that came from recently. I don't know if it's the Sean Desai thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's the first year DC uh, taking over from what was it, Gannon. Yeah, because they also year. look a little unprepared too. Like that's the weird thing. Like there's times where yeah. it doesn't look like they're they're set before the play and they're you know, the the classic looking at each other two defense with their hands up, like, you know. Um, exactly. But so, there's still, I mean, there's still 10 and three. It's not doom and gloom. We knew how hard that part of the schedule would be, but giving up 321 points on the year, not ideal. And Dallas now in that first place tie, having won five straight. And I'm not going to put them above the Niners for a long time, probably until they'd have to beat them in the playoffs, given what we've mm-hmm. seen and what the track record has been. And I still do have some doubts about this defense. I know Bland's been the turnover guy, but you can move the ball on them. You can definitely score on them. Got to say, though, this is the best Dak in this offense has looked. So I, I fully believe in their ability this year. The issues would be on defense, but you got to give Dak his flowers so far. He's never looked better as an NFL quarterback. Agreed. I mean, he, he's playing like an MVP. And, you know, it's funny because you look at the, the Chargers offense and Kellen Moore and McCarthy saying he wanted to run the football more, and he really hasn't done that at all. He's made it more of the Dak Prescott show, but mm-hmm. I guess, you know, his his experience working with Aaron Rodgers, just his tenure has just shown to be way more effective in situational football than what Kellen Moore was bringing to the table, and they were a high-powered offense last year, but they just seem a lot more potent this year, a lot more versatile, and uh, the head man, Dak Prescott, is playing really, really, really good football. Can't deny it at all. Well, you look at the And they can't even run the football. That's what's that crazy. Way. They, I mean, they started too little bit, but, yeah, that's the other crazy part is that they're not even running the ball well. But they're you know in the mix in a conference where if we're, if we're doing the 20,000-feet view, Ryan, I mean, the Eagles are looking shaky. The Niners have, have fully bounced back, and, you know, it's Dak and Purdy at the top of the MVP list right now. What the Niners do, and, you know, anytime I guess anytime you can get Jamal Adams in coverage, you got to take it, right? Oh, 100%. You take that every time, 10 out of 10 times. They're tough, though. They, they're tough, though, with their weapons. And you saw it two weeks ago firsthand with how Debo can be so effective in any position. He's probably, dare I say, maybe the most versatile player in the league. I mean, he very well might be. And I will say this, and this is A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf included. I don't think there's any more any receiver more violent with the football in their hands mm-hmm. than Debo Samuel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely somebody that uh, commands respect when he's out there. And McCaffrey's up there for versatility, too. So what the Niners are doing, and look, not to get full Ohio State homer, but Chase Young added to that defense where he doesn't have to be the guy. Is You put him on as like the as the fourth oh, guy. Oh, yeah, everybody got one-on-ones. He's going to eat, for sure. I mean, every, you, you can't double-team anybody on that line. But what do you make of the rest of this conference, though? Because we saw the Lions lose to the Bears where they could have lost to him twice this year. The Packers got beat by Tommy DeVito last night in the Giants. Um, I, I, I'm looking, and the NFC South has all six and seven teams. So what do we make of the rest of this conference outside of, you know, the top three teams? I mean, the Lions still have to prove something to me. Yeah, and I agree with you 100% on the Lions. And I think, you know, what we're seeing from Jared Goff in this stretch right now is what we thought he had gotten over um, since getting to the uh, to the Lions and he seemed to regress a little bit. So I'm curious to see if he can turn that around. But I think with the rest of the conference, 
you really can't trust anybody, and that's just not based on the record. That's just if you put the tape on and watch these teams play, all these teams have major flaws to you leave yourself wondering. I don't think any of them could beat San Francisco unless there was a situation what happened last year. Nobody wants that where yeah. you know there's an injury situation. I think San Francisco is head and shoulders above the rest of the conference, including Dallas and Philadelphia. And then after those three teams, it's going to be, you know, really interesting. You know, Tampa Bay and Atlanta and New Orleans fighting out for that last slot is going to be interesting as it is in the South, you know, with the competition of losers. (laughs) But nobody wants, nobody is worried about playing them one card weekend at all. So, yeah, I... (laughs) I guess I at this point would default to Tampa, given that they're not too far removed from the Super Bowl. They've got enough guys in there that maybe could figure out a way to win that division. But I'm with you; they're not going to be a full threat. Looking at the rest of the division, or less of the NFC teams fighting for the wild card, I would probably say the Rams would be the team I would back the most. And I, had I to agree. Look, had to look at their schedule; they've turned it on a lot. Puka Nakua is great; like he is already a great receiver. So you and Kieran Williams, the, Nerd, the running back out of Notre Dame, doing well. And they're scheduled the rest of the way. The next three are uh, Commanders, Saints, and Giants. So if they can win those three, Niners, Niners last week of the season, what's San Fran going to have to play for is going to be fascinating because they have the tiebreaker over both the teams that they're facing. So, you know, if they're a game up still. But that would be the one. I mean, look, it's tough, man, right? Like Green Bay, what was it, a golden chance yesterday to get to 7-6, and six, and Minnesota's on their fourth quarterback. So, I, I don't know. I just think with Detroit, golf has definitely regressed. And this team, again, it's like we're, we're, we're judging them based on the state of the conference, and that might be unfair. They're, the Lions are 9-4. and four. If we had this conversation in August and the Lions were 9-4, and four, we'd be like, what an amazing season for the Lions to be at this point. Exactly. But because we're trying, to, right. we're trying to vault them into a space that they're not ready for, and I don't know that that's necessarily fair. Yeah, context is everything. I think going back to the Rams, though, I have a question for you. I heard someone say that this may be McVay's best coaching job. Maybe. And I, I think I couldn't disagree, Super Bowl included, with this roster. Yeah. They've still got, they've still got, I mean, it's that championship mentality. It's why Tampa Bay's still fighting. Like, even if the roster's not there, they've got guys that have done it before. So. Stafford standing in there making plays, and they were very close to winning that game and being seven and six after that brutal start. So uh, we'll have to see. Well, let's look at the games now, Ryan, as we wrap up here on the Money Mitch Effect for this week's uh, upcoming games and uh, some interesting ones on the slate. I thought, you know, Saturday football as well. So we got football on Saturday almost every day of the week now. But, um, you know, I'll start with this Saturday. I mean, we got Bengals and Vikings. So could the Bengals win again with Jake Browning? go to eight and six and then suddenly a team we buried for dead would be right back in the thick of the wild card race yeah this is a really interesting game i feel like if the bengals won this game you know that's another one of those teams where if that offense is clicking you don't really want to see them either so that's it's going to be interesting to see their sense of urgency coming out knowing that this is basically a playoff game uh for both teams uh competing so, because I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, and I don't think this is likely, but if the Lions lose and the Vikings continue to win, that mm-hmm. division is not all of a sudden sewed up. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's not impossible. 
No, it's not. And I was looking at the schedule the other day with this, given the fact, I mean, we don't know what happens. They haven't even played once yet this year. They've got to play twice in the last two weeks of the season. Exactly. And beating the Sean Payton team is no walk in the park. And that's who they got on Saturday, too. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's a big one for sure. Uh, Another big one. I mean, obviously, I mentioned Browns Bears, but from the Bears perspective, I mean, they've done pretty well recently. Could there be any doubt with Fields next year or? I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, like, could the Bears in any conceivable plan with the Panthers pick, which looks like a lock at number one, could they stick with Fields or is that, you know, already turned the page? So this is an interesting question because my answer depends on, and I forget, where we are in the contract situation. Because if you look at Justin Fields' running production and what he's had around him, why can't he make the case just based on how the quarterback market works that he should get paid what Daniel Jones got? So I, I think, look, and then I get that. The Bears, I get, I get that. Do? That last part is interesting, but given the given the fact of how well regarded not just Caleb is, but this QB class where you also have Drake May and now Heisman Trophy winner Jaden Daniels, who's going to be a top ten pick, trade him, right? Trade him, go younger and cheaper. I mean, yep. I, I just I think exactly. you have to. You give Fields a fresh start somewhere else. It's you know, and he could still be an NFL quarterback. But given where they're at, I think and, you know now they and, have that pick. And you know, we we could spend another hour talking about this, and I've shared this sentiment before, and you know, we go back and forth on this. But if I'm the Bears, especially with so many holes, I don't know if they necessarily need to be eyes on a quarterback necessarily or a receiver, especially mm-hmm. like if they drive a quarterback, if you think it's a guy, that's one guy yeah. that's, that's fine, but please don't draft Marvin Harrison. Well, they so they're not going to be in a position to draft Marvin because they're, they've won too many games with that second pick. That's so true. I yeah. think, I think yeah. you go quarterback, you still have a chance to get a great player, maybe a lineman or a defensive player. So they're in a pretty good position yeah. for the future. Got to be a trench guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cowboys bills on Sunday. Pretty excited about that one in Buffalo. Um, Buffalo still, in the mix playing for their playoff lives, but I mean this will this will be a game that tells us a lot, right? If Buffalo beats Dallas, we're back on, you know, they're fully back to being a threat. If Dallas yeah. goes into Buffalo wins this game, Ryan, we might have to adjust where we see Dallas going because they are already on the short list of Super Bowl contenders. This would be mightily impressive. Well, and you know, and I Mitch, I'm not one to really factor the the, the emotional component in the games that much as I guess as much as media pundits do but I am interested interested in the psyches of both teams like how's Dallas coming off beating the hell out of Philly because I think they were waiting to get revenge for yeah, what happened the, the letdown's real letdown? I mean the letdown's and then, real and also the and, hype train's real too we see that right in the and then the Bills do they have a heightened sense of urgency feeling like they're all of a sudden back in the playoff race so are they going to be you know mm-hmm. on edge at the do they have their full attention so I think it's going to be interesting seeing the mentality of mm-hmm. both these teams I think Dax brought it on the road all year, so I do feel like the offense will be there. But, yeah, how does that Dallas defense regard it? Uh, Baltimore-Jacksonville Sunday night game. This is, you know, this is a big one for Jacksonville, as I mentioned. Baltimore wins this one, Ryan. They are sitting pretty. Not a lot, given what happens, but they're sitting pretty for that one seed if they win this one. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be an interesting game. You know, the games that you expect 
Trevor to to play well in coast. He makes it more difficult in the games that look, you know, yeah. like to be more of an obstacle. Yeah. He tends to play a little better. So I'm curious to see how he plays, how that offense looks. But I like the Ravens here. I do as well. Uh, should be good in the pool down in Jacksonville. And then your game Monday night, Eagles-Seahawks in Seattle. Not an easy place to play, but Seattle is reeling on defense. It seems like it's just the, what the doctor ordered for the offense, which we didn't really talk about for Philly. But I don't know if Hurts is a little banged up or they're just a little out of sync on the offense. And then the decision sometimes to not stick with Swift, who appears to be the hot hand at running back. But maybe this is a get-right game for the Eagles' the offense. I hope it is, but to be honest, you know, we'll see what the offense looks like. I'm really honestly focused more on the defense again because that receiving core, if they can block the the front, that receiving core can eat <laughs> on the secondary. And, Jigba, and Jigba's playing well, too. He's coming exactly. into it as a rookie. So, yeah, exactly. that's – So, this game is not a gimme. You know, I hope <laughs> it serves as a get-right yeah. game, yeah. but if they can figure out how to block the front, the receivers yeah. can do some work on our secondary. No slow starts in Seattle. We know that. You can't come out slow there regardless of what the record is. Um, oh, you're going to be at that fish market real yeah. quick. Last thing on the NFL, Ryan, uh, we didn't talk about the game because it's not really a marquee one, but Chiefs, Pats, and the rumblings are out that Belichick might be on his way out. I don't know if you've seen these or if you give that any thoughts, think it's the rumors, but the, the birds are swirling in, in regards to Bill Belichick's future in New England. I mean, they've been talking about Bill Belichick's future since before they went um, to Europe to play that game. If they lose, will he come back with his job? You know, I I don't I think obviously there's been some conversation. I I think um, Robert Kraft, of course, has thought it over, but I'm sure on the other side, he's considered all the success he's had due to, you know, Bill Belichick and, and Tom Brady. But I I would like to think that Bill has earned the right, at least from a public standpoint, to walk away and not be fired. But I do think that um, they, I don't know if it's Scott Pioli, I don't know if it's Lombardi, but some GM type that he's had familiarity with needs to come in and deal more with personnel because Bill doesn't need to be doing both. Well, that's the thing. I mean, he's very successful, and I don't know. It probably has gotten too big to put someone over him at this point, which is understandable given what he's accomplished. And if Bill feels like there's still more in the tank, then there's going to be a breakup, and he's going to go elsewhere. It's not too much yeah. unlike what happened with Andy Reid in Philly, you know. I know they didn't win the yeah, Super Bowls not, there, but, like, you run, stuff runs its course, and it doesn't have to be, you know, doesn't have to be a, a bitter breakup and a firing, but – these things happen. Relationships end, and Bill wants to keep coaching, wants to break Shula's record, and I do think uh, whatever happens, he's still going to be coaching. It's just a matter of if it's going to be in New England. Well, and that's what I was going to bring up because I know he says he wants to keep coaching, but I do wonder how much breaking Shula's record matters to him because where he goes, like he's still, I want to say, some 30 wins away. So, and I, I, I think we're not, at the point where 10 wins a season is guaranteed anymore. So that I, I'm very curious to see how much that actually weighs in, or if he just wants to keep coaching for the love of it, because yeah. if he wants to catch Sula's record, he, he got to go to somewhere where he can get 10 wins a year. Otherwise yeah. he's going to die on the job. He's 27 away right now. So 
they got what four games left this year get a game or two in there you know let's say he gets one you need 26 hmm? yeah so i mean if you if he wins six games a year he needs five years to do it yeah some guys just love the coach, so that's the other thing. This is his livelihood. He's one of the best to ever do it in any field, so we'll see. Uh, yeah. Ryan, a lot of football left. Always a blast uh, breaking it down with you. Uh, I did want to ask you one thing. In the grand scheme of you know ridiculous to totally normal on that scale, where do you rank uh, hanging a banner for a midseason tournament? Um, Right now, I'm kind of ridiculous, but I think – as the future goes on, like I think 20 years from now, if they keep doing this thing, it'll feel completely normal. But okay. right now, it feels completely ridiculous. I just don't want this to be in any GOAT debates. Like, oh, how about Not midseason? At all. <laughs> That's Not what at I'm all. tapping out of sports when that comes into it. Uh, Ryan, man, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. I appreciate you. All right, huge thanks to Ryan Souls and huge thanks to Matt Gothard for appearing as guests on this week's episode of The Money Mitch Effect, which can be found on all your podcast platforms. Just search Money Mitch Effect in Apple, Google, SoundCloud, to name a few. It'll pop right up or you can subscribe, leave a rating or review and get the episodes automatically downloaded to your listening device. The Money Mitch Effect Facebook page also is the home of exclusive content, so check out that, as well as follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. We're back next week. More pro football to discuss, some winter sports as well. Got NHL, got NBA, and uh, bowl season. College football bowl season starts this weekend, too. So a lot of exciting things coming as we approach the Christmas season into the new year. For Matt Gothard and Ryan Souls, again, my name is Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening, and keep enjoying sports.